On the show today, I'm joined by Michael Grant Terry, star of TV's Bones. We talk all about what it takes to be an actor, the changing face of television, and working on the hit show Bones. All that and more on today's Talk To Me. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Benjamin Mayer McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin, and I'm very excited to have Michael Grant Terry on the show today. He played one of the squinterns on Bones. He played uh, Wendell uh, for eight years on the hit Fox show, which only wrapped up in April. And the head of Fox has already said he'd like to bring the show back in some way. Talk about a hit. Well, Michael talks all about that, as well as his other work, uh, what it takes to be an actor and moving from show to show and how you feel as a guest star. It's a fascinating chat. Here he is, my chat with Michael Grant Terry. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Now, Michael, why did you decide to pursue a career in the arts? Oh, boy. I mean, that goes back pretty far. Um, My... uh my my grandfather was a large, like huge film buff, and he collected about a thousand uh, original prints of sixty millimeter films. So I grew up watching film in his basement from the age of like five on. Um, and he also married uh, his wife the year that I was born, um, and she was uh, Maureen O'Sullivan, who was actually Jane and Tarzan. So I kind of uh, the original Tarzan. So I kind of grew up um, in that. Uh, with that around me and kind of just became obsessed with film, film at first and then uh, theater as well. And that was really the entry point for me. I mean, I'm, I'm a fortunate person to have known what I've wanted to do since I was like five years old, you know? Absolutely. And you went to university from there where you studied both drama and cinematography. Why did you decide to look at cinematography as well? Well, my high school was actually very... Um, <clears throat> very arts forward. So like I, I did a lot of theater in high school and a lot of uh, and some musicals and I sang. Um, and I, I knew Emerson college. I visited Emerson and um, they had a very good underground student run drama department. So meaning you could do plays and not be in the drama program. Um, and I knew that I also really was interested in cinematography and film. So I figured I would go and learn cameras because that's a, a lot harder to learn just, you know, on the fly by yourself. Uh, but as I started to do that, I realized that I wanted to also be able to do some main stage shows. So I ended up doing some summer classes and getting a double major, um, and did about, man, I, man, I, I can't even think about it now. I don't know how I did it, but like, I, I did a couple shows a semester. So, you know, four or five shows a semester and was producing films in the film program. It just happened to be a very good school where you were able to do both of those things. Um, and I, I don't know how I would have learned about film had I not studied it. I mean, I, I suppose I could have come up to LA and been a PA, but this was, that was a good way, good avenue for me. So you think it's important for young performers and artists to go to a formal university or, or college? I think it's a personal preference. I think that I probably would have been swept up in LA had I come out here when I was 18 years old. I think some people can, can do it. Uh, I, I'm happy that I did because I got to learn a lot. I got to read a lot of plays and I, I got to learn about, about filmmaking. It's one thing that I do think that um, all actors should take a filmmaking class and I think all filmmakers should take an acting class. That's something that I really am, well, really wish that Emerson did more of. I think that like, uh, 
anyone in the directing program who's a filmmaker should should really take multiple acting classes so that they know how to talk to an actor. And on the re- reverse, actors should take filmmaking classes so they know how to act the camera. If you if you want to act the camera, um, I think it's very important to kind of to know both of those sides to know what lens someone is using when they're shooting you to know uh, where you where you how your movements look different on camera than they do on stage and. And for directors to be able to talk to actors in their own language. So you definitely say that your knowledge of, of film and cinematography helped you as an actor on set, on film, on, on TV, wherever. Yeah, 100%. Definitely. I mean, I think just, like I said, just even knowing what angle they're shooting or what size lens they're shooting so you know how large or small you need to be on camera and, and how that will affect you. I mean, I think nothing is a better teacher than just being on set. Like, I, I think that you can go to school all you want and, and learn all you want, but nothing teaches you more than just being on set or going to an audition. Like, there, there really aren't any classes that can really prepare you for uh, auditioning and then jumping into the, the real world of acting. But I think it, it doesn't hurt to take classes for film. Of course not. So you talk about how overwhelming LA can be. What was your first pilot season like out there? Oh my gosh. Uh, it's funny. Pilot season has changed a lot. I moved out here in 2005. So it's changed drastically because as you know, I mean, there's so many more television shows out there now. So pilot season is kind of all year round. It's not as, it's not the same as uh it used to be. I can't remember if this was my first pilot season, but I don't remember. Like, I would have an entire wardrobe in my car because you would have to change. I might have three auditions a day. So you would have to change in between auditions for, uh, you know, to a suit to play a lawyer or what have you. And it was just, it was a lot. I mean, and I, I would say that I probably wasn't prepared. And I don't know that anybody could actually be prepared for it. And I'm sure I botched plenty of auditions, but it was still really fun and, and exciting and stressful and you're just constantly memorizing lines and you're constantly trying to create these characters and differentiate them. And, uh, I think that that time has passed though. Cause I, I, it seems it's much more spread out for me now. It's rare that I have, um, three appointments in a day, which as, a, as I'm older now and, and know how I like to work, I really prefer not to have three auditions in one day because I think it's, it's hard for you to actually properly uh, portray a character one of three, if you can. Of course. Now, what always fascinates me about America and, and your auditions is the fact that you are supposed to dress for a role. So you'd have six costumes in your car because in Australia, it's a flip side. You're told not to dress up or, you know, have a costume or, or a look, you're supposed to go in as you and then sort of make it up. So with auditioning, is that something you learn in university or is it you sort of see other people at your first audition and realize I need to wear the appropriate clothing? Well, it's not so much a costume. Like uh, I want to, it's not like I would wear a police outfit to a police mm. audition or scrubs to a doctor's audition, you know, obviously, but, but yeah, it is. I mean, it is, you want to make yourself look good if you're going in for, you know, the handsome hunk or something like that. And also, you know, where I, I usually, you kind of dress towards the role. And that is something that I think you just learn going about it. Or you, you talk to your manager or your agent about, about what you should wear. Um, because you don't want to look schlubby for something. If you are playing an attorney that for sure, attorneys at lawyers and, and any like businessman, you definitely wear a suit. And, uh, 
it can be quite unpleasant when it's 110 degrees in the summer here doing that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it is, I guess it, you just kind of learn it along the way. And I think you learn to make mistakes too and, and realize sometimes it doesn't matter. You're right. It, sometimes it really doesn't matter at all. And some casting and some producers have an imagination much beyond what you wear and some don't. Absolutely. Now you started in TV with various guest spots on shows like Veronica Mars and Castle. When you're coming in for one episode, is it harder to bond with the cast and crew who have been there for sometimes years? Yeah, it's still to this day, excuse me, it's still to this day is, um, it's, it's, uh, it's nerve wracking. You're walking into a family that you're not, you're not a part of. And some are way more, uh, open and inviting. And I've been very fortunate pretty much every single show that I've gone on to, they've been extremely open and, and, and inviting to, to me as an actor and they make you feel like home right away. But, you know, every, I think every night before I go on to a new show where I'm just a guest on that one episode, you kind of get the, the jitters of, you know, I'm walking into something that's a, that's conceivably a well-oiled machine and, and you don't want to, you don't want to slow that down. And, and you also want to have fun. And, and every one of these shows has been fun in their own different way. And some are more chatty and, and laughy, like the set of Bones is very, we were, we were still having fun nonstop. And some are very serious in their, um, and respectful in their own right. I, I did The Closer, and that show was actually shot on film, which, uh, as you know, like, they, you have to make every take really count. It's not as, it's not as um, lax as, as a show on, on digital. Um, and the role was very intense, and it was very, very quiet set. And I was um, really grateful for that, for the character that I was playing. Like, it was extremely helpful and really professional. And uh, Kira was, uh, was just so respectful of me and, and, and letting me do my process and, and uh, asking what I needed. And that, to me, is just, just so awesome. When you can go on a show, I, I can't even remember what season that was, but... Um, deep into their show when they want the guest actor to shine and they want them to uh, um, raise their show to the highest level. So it's been, I've been very fortunate of that, but yes, long story short, it is, it's scary sometimes going on a show when you're new. And do you think the set atmosphere is director based? Uh, it can be on, on television. It can be, but, but the directors are our guests just as you are. So like the directors are oftentimes just every, every episode is a new director. I think it's a lot of times the act, the, the actor, the, the atmosphere is, is set by the actor. That's kind of what I always think. And, and what I always strive for as well. Um, when I have my own show is to, is to be welcoming. Cause I think the number one on the call sheet, the lead actor and the, the two leads are the ones who really set the atmosphere and set the tone for how their set is run and how people, how welcome people are feel. Mm. And you did mention Bones, uh, which you appeared in, I think, for about eight years. You appeared in the most episodes out of any of the Squinterns. How were the characters selected for the episodes? So how did you end up in 42 versus one of the other interns? Well, because I'm the best. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm really good. No, I'm really good friends with the... Uh, um, with a bunch of those guys, actually. Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how they, how they calculated that. You know, a lot of that was also based on our schedules because um, we, we were doing other shows in between. So um, if one of us wasn't available, then another one might be written into the, to the episode. Um, 
but I mean, how Wendell started for me, I, I went into that show and it was actually just one episode um, to start. And I remember it took him a long time to get it, to decide that I was cast. And usually when it takes a network or a studio a while, it means that <laughs> the role might be bigger than you think. And halfway through the first episode that I was shooting, they said, oh, you're in the next one. And it just kind of trickled on from there. And um, I think they really were basing things off of uh, what, like, fan reaction, you know, and and uh, whether or not people liked the characters and they wanted to see more. And, you know, they had just gotten rid of Zach. Um, and so they were able to replace him with a rotating group of, of actors, which I don't think any other show has really, really done. It's kind of kind of cool. They, they were able to have these kind of rotating series regulars that, that came coming in and out who aren't series regulars and um, have completely many different B stories that, that kind of makes the show interesting. Mm. The episodes I always found most interesting where was where all the, uh, the squinterns work together. How were those episodes? Cause they almost sidelined some of the, the series regulars. Incredible. I love, I love those episodes and that's actually what um, <clears throat> led me to become friends with, I'm, I'm very good friends with Eugene Bird and Pej Vidat who played uh, Aristu and Dr. Clark Edison. Um, I think those were awesome because it, it gave us time to shine. I mean, the nine 11 episode is, is one in particular that was fantastic. And uh, it just was a lot of fun for us to kind of take over, take over the stage and, and get to get to do our work and, and also get to know each other. Cause we, we would see each other in passing and crossovers of uh, shooting dates, but we never really knew each other. We respected each other, but we we, were, we never got to work together. And um, once we started, I think we all worked together maybe like four times. I can't remember, but uh, we all always looked forward to those episodes. And I think the, the leads did too, because they also worked on us on a one-on-one basis, but they never got to see us all together. So I, I remember like Michaela Conlon always saying it was exciting to have everyone together in one episode. Yeah, it certainly would be. Now, with Bones, it's so heavily based in actual science, unlike a lot of other crime shows on television. How much forensic information did you learn over those eight years? And was there ever anything you really struggled just to say correctly? I learned a lot. I mean, honestly, I um, we had a really good medical advisor. I learned a lot and I forget it all now, <laughs> but, uh, we, we had a really good medical advisor, um, named Donna Klein, who, uh, for my first few years, I would meet with her, uh, before every episode, um, to kind of go over everything. We would get a big packet, uh, with diagrams, letting us know, um, what things meant. Um, and I would usually meet with her and kind of talk to her about like, what would I be doing during this examination? Like physically, what parts of the body would I be going to? And, where would you check first on a burn victim or where would you check first on someone who has no flesh, you know, like, and, and she would kind of give us ideas, all of us ideas of what tools to use to make it look interesting and, and what would be realistic and, um, and how to say stuff. I mean, yeah, that, that was the hardest part is I think that a lot of times the shooting schedule would change a lot and we might only have one night or the day of to learn uh, a heavy medical scene. Um, and the last thing you want to do is be is be searching for your lines when you're trying to act. So I think that that was the hardest thing is just trying to memorize that stuff. And I still have some stuff stuck in my head, <laughs> some literal lines that I, I remember drilling so hard because it was such a fast paced scene that I still have them stuck in my head. But um, I learned a lot, and I I think that it would, it would be fun to work on a medical show again. 
Now, because of the props, the the bones and the flesh, did that limit the amount of takes you could do? Because I'm assuming if, if say, a stomach explodes due to heat, props and costumes aren't going to want to reset that 10 or 15 times. So you've really got to get it in one or two, I assume. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we had uh, the Jaeger brothers. They did all the um, the, uh, the the special effects on the bones, and, and they did a great job. I mean, they would come in and goop up the bones over and over again. So that that wasn't a problem for that kind of stuff. But you're right for like explosions or uh, like any paint being poured on someone or something like that. Yeah, it would it would be a couple takes um, for sure, and and you want to make sure that you get it right, and, and especially if, if something wasn't going right before the. Uh, uh, effect or whatever the explosion they would usually cut the scene just to make sure that the top of the scene was perfect because if, if something messes up right before it then there's no point in continuing did you ever have a favorite stunt or explosion or something like that you got to witness on set um let me think uh my head exploded in one episode which i, I like um but i think those, those are watermelons we were shooting our heads and they, they exploded and there was one, this is not really an effect, but there was a fun one where TJ was on, um, plays Hodgins, was on like he was rappelling on a wire and <laughs> spilled an entire bucket of paint all over me. I mean, it's not really an effect. It was just a fun day because I got to watch TJ hang in the air and, and dump paint on me like over and over again. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine cleaning that one up at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. And I think just, the, just in general, like I'm a, I love gore and I love horror stuff. So like seeing all these bodies every day, coming, walking up on the soundstage and seeing what they've created because you read it on a page and you're like, oh, yeah, cool, okay. So the body was like, you know, smushed by a pizza maker. And then you come up on stage and you're like, oh, my God, this looks awesome. It looks like it was actually smushed by a pizza. You know, it's, it's cool. They, that was the most fun of coming up and seeing what they, had, what they had created. Yeah, it certainly would be. And obviously Bones was hugely successful. It ran for 12 years and it has a very dedicated fan base. Have you ever had a strange encounter with a fan? They come, yes, I've had a couple. I mean, like, they they are an incredible group of fans, and you're right. It is, like, it's got a big cult following. And it's funny, it's never in L.A. It's always at the airports or uh, when I'm traveling. And it's, uh, I, remember the, I remember the first time I had it. I guess that's probably the, the best story. The first time I had an encounter, I was on my way back from my brother's bachelor party. Um, and we were at JFK Airport, and I was probably hungover. And I, I, I didn't even, I had never had a fan encounter. And this guy just starts screaming from across the airport terminal. And he's like, Bones! Oh, my God, Bones! And I'm like, what? What? My brother's dying of laughter, and I'm you know, starting to sweat. And he comes running over with his wife and his like, baby in a stroller, and he's screaming, and, oh, my God, I can't, can't believe him. People are staring at me. And <laughs> so that was kind of the beginning of, uh, of funny encounters. But it, they're usually pretty tame, and people are very respectful. Um, and... Uh, I, I love the fans, and I think that it's one of the people who say they get annoyed by that kind of stuff. I mean, give me a break. It's it's so it's so humbling, and and, and it's so wonderful to to be recognized for your work. And, and I'm happy that I can make people people happy and, and excited to see a show. Have you considered doing some of the? Conventions? I had a, another. Yeah. yeah, I have considered doing them. I think Tej and I and Eugene and I have all talked about it. I think it's just uh, dependent on our schedules as well, because I know that. Um, some of those guys have, some of the leads have done it, but I, I would love to, I'd love to do it and, and meet some of the fans. Of course. I, so I think I interrupted you. You had another story that um, we're going to hear. I, I do have another, I have another funny story actually of, of meeting. 
I, I'm a big fan of Sons of Anarchy, and I, I wonder if and, and there's an actor on that named Tommy Flanagan who is uh, he was in Braveheart and Gladiator. He's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, and I uh, was outside of an audition, and I went up to him, and I said, "Hey, I, I don't mean to interrupt you. Like, I, I don't usually go up to people and say things, but for some actors, I do." And I and I went up to him and I said, "You know, I just want to let you know I really um, I really love your work on Sons of Anarchy. He's Scottish." And he's on his motorcycle and he pulls his sunglasses down and he goes, I know, I know you. And I was like, oh, really? You know me? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. And he goes, Bones. I fucking love Bones. And he just started cursing. He's like, he's like, I love this show. And it was just this wonderful moment of like complimenting somebody else on their work and then them complimenting you back <laughs> just so out of, out of the blue. It's always great when uh, people you admire are aware of your work too. It's just, it's the greatest feeling, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. now, I mean, Bones only wrapped up in April, but the chairman of Fox said, I think about a month ago, he'd like to bring Bones back in some way and that fans could count on it. Would you be happy to come back when and if that happens? Yeah, of course. I saw that too. I was actually surprised. soon after we ended that, uh, that, uh, was an out was, was suggested hundred percent. I would love to come back. I think all of us would love to come back, even if it's just for a reunion for a TV movie or something. Well, I'm sure fans will be very relieved to hear that, but you have been busy since, since Bones, or I suppose during Bones as well. You've got a movie coming out and you've also, you've also worked in theater, I suppose, consistently since you, you started uh, performing. Do you prefer theater or TV? I don't think I could uh, decide. Cause I think that like, you know, I could do a play tomorrow and tell you, oh, I prefer theater. And then I could do a, an episode of TV the day after and be like, you know what? I prefer TV. <laughs> I think that it's, I think that it's, uh, they're completely different. I mean, I did a, I, I frequently work with a theater company called the Blank Theater Company and they have a, a young playwrights festival that they do every year where they, uh, put up, a four plays every week, uh, written by kids 19 and younger. Um, and they're really fantastic. <clears throat> you have two weeks of rehearsal and I just did, um, one of those back in uh, May, I believe, May or June. And I hadn't been on stage actually in a couple of years. Um, and it was just, I mean, it was just one weekend, but I, I oh my gosh, I just love it so much. It, it's, there's not, nothing beats performing in front of a live audience, as I'm sure you know. And it's just, the energy of that is, is so great. But there is something that's fun about creating a TV show and kind of trying to keep your arc in a different manner, it's, it's challenging because you don't, you're not obviously performing start to finish. You kind of have to remember where you are in the story and it makes you look at it in a, in a different way and makes you kind of look at your character in a different way and be very specific, um, in, in what you're doing. So, and you also get to hone in, hone in what you, what you do, um, and, and exactly what you're doing in each scene and make sure it's exactly, it's perfect, you know? Yeah, very true. I mean, the thing that I love about theatre is the fact you can you can see a play or a musical and you can fall in love with a character, and there's always that possibility that one day you'll get to play that because unlike TV or film, you don't have to wait for a remake. They're always actors are always leaving theatre shows and new cast members are coming in or revivals or tours. So, is there a bucket list of plays or musicals that you'd like to do? Oh, I haven't done a musical in a really long time. Um, and I, I, I would love to do, I, 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 this is kind of funny, but like Chicago, I would love to do, <laughs> I think when I'm older, um, I think, 
death of a salesman when I'm older. I mean, like there's, there's definitely some, some big roles when I'm, when I'm a lot older that I would love to, to tackle. I think that theater, like it's exciting to age. It makes you excited to age, you know, because there's a lot, there's just so many, so many roles out there to play. I mean, I, I love red light winter too. I mean, I'd love to do that. That's, that's more about, about my age now. Um, and then there's just, uh, there's so many, uh, new works. I mean, I, I, another theater company that I work with, work with does new plays. And I, and I think that's also exciting too, to be, to be able to be an originator of a role, you know, and, and finding something that, that no one else has ever done and setting the, the tone for that. And, uh, and then seeing other people with their own interpretations. I agree with you. I think it's really, what's cool about theater is that you can have so many different interpretations of, of, of roles Absolutely. It's why shows like you know, Wicked or Phantom of the Opera or Chicago can run for you know, 30 odd years. It's because that every new actor who steps into those shows brings something a little bit different. And that's exciting for, for audiences, for you know, people who've never seen the show before. And suppose for us as actors as well, it gives us something to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. Now you do have... Sideman too. Sideman actually... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you, no, you go. You, you're the guest. You, you get to talk. Uh, Sideman is another show that I, I would love to do. That, that, but um, that that was uh, on Broadway years ago. Um, that would be something that I, I, it's, a, it's a nice show as well. Yeah, I feel like I feel like any potential producers can just be writing this list down. Anyone who wants to work with you, directors, producers, take the list down and uh, send his agent an email. Oh yeah, please do. <laughs> now, um, you do have a movie coming out called uh, The Archer, and when you're filming a movie. Obviously, the, the timing is, is so much different. TV series, you typically have a week to make an episode. Theatre, you rehearse for a couple of weeks, and then you, you do it for however long the run is. But with film, you often get more time to play around. How does that change the way you approach a character? Well, we didn't actually have that much time. I mean, I think that um, it depends on the budget of the film. Uh, we had more time to play around with, with rehearsal for this film. Which was which was really really wonderful, and we had an incredible director named Valerie Weiss, and an incredible cast as well. And we we were able to have time to rehearse, so it did feel like a play in that sense. Like we were able to track our characters. Um, we actually called it our, the wobble, which is what a, the, the the film is about an archer. So it's a, a wobble is what an arrow does. It kind of wobbles back and forth before it finds its target. So she kind of gave us an assignment to track where our character is in the wobble scale, if that makes sense, um, throughout the film, um, emotionally. And then also just rehearse the scenes so that when we got to set, we, we knew that we only had probably about two to three takes per, um, setup because of the, the budget of the film. Um, I think only large budget movies get many takes. And I've never done a large budget movie, so I, I can't comment on that, but, um, uh, th- I kind of think it's exciting to only have a couple of takes, especially after you, you have had that rehearsal time. Because, yeah, on, on television shows, you have rehearsal time, but that rehearsal time is between you and whoever is running lines with you at home. You know, it's not, it's not with anybody in the cast. You, you, you really have one marking rehearsal where you just mark through it for lighting. And if you're lucky, a little bit more time to, to play around if it's a complicated scene. But other than that, it's rehearse and shoot, and, and, and you're in. So the film world having the, the pre-production time to actually rehearse made it so 
uh, easy to play and be comfortable in that world once we were there. I also think that with a film, what's cool about it for me and what I love about it is that often you're on location somewhere, so you kind of get enveloped in that world for the month that you're shooting. Like for The Archer, we were in a place called Idlewild, which is north of Los Angeles, north of Palm Springs in this um, mountain town. And we all lived there in cabins. And so you kind of, and we all went to dinner together and we all, you know, saw each other every day. And you kind of become a little family for the amount of time that you're shooting and, and you're only with those people for three, four weeks, um, that it becomes this tight knit group of people. And it creates a different product than when you go onto a uh, set and shoot a TV show and go home and then maybe they'll have three days off and then go back. You know, it's, it's a different experience and a different feeling, which I equate more to theater because you're, you're, um, with your your cast and your play kind of uh, as much. Yeah, I, I do completely understand. So what happens to you when you don't have a project or a project with a family like theatre or film? How, how does that sort of leave you feeling when you're used to having that so often? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Uh, I mean, it, it, is, it is really hard. I mean, I think that you have to stay busy in one aspect or another. And I think that I'm learning that I have other passions, you know? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually starting culinary school on the weekends cause I love cooking. Um, and, uh, I am going to be doing that on Saturdays, four hours and for about a half a year, if I have time. Um, and then, um, I write as well. And I think getting into acting class is important as well. I, I had a period of time when I was in class, um, while I was working just to kind of stay, stay fresh and, and stay reading things. Um, so I think that's, it's, it's important because it's very easy to be off of a project for a couple months and find yourself being complacent and, and sitting around and waiting for the next thing. Um, and ob- obviously auditions come and auditions can provide some sense of, of working, um, but it's an, uh, uh, you know, rehearsing for it. But as an actor, you do face a lot of alone, a lot of alone time, and it's kind of how to how to deal with those demons in your head and maybe turn them into something positive. So what are you? So what are you writing? If if uh, you're turning the demons in your head into something, is it a play? Is it a film? Is it a TV series? And when can we expect to see it? Oh well, I I, I have written a, a pilot, and I have I have some other ideas that I've been writing. I have two two friends that I'd like to write with. Um, I think that that's, it's hard. I mean, a writer is just as difficult as an actor, if not more so, because you have to, you have to pitch the idea, get it sold. And then, you know, uh, and then, um, you may not even be attached to it after that happens. Or it, the thing about writing that I think is so scary with television and, and, and film is you could pitch something and, and it could get turned down and then that's it. That thing that you spent so much time writing is, is done. <laughs> There's no, you know, if it's been denied, it's been denied. So you got to go move on to the next thing. So I'm, I'm kind of dabbling in it. I, I did, I wrote in college and I, and I, I wrote and produced a short a couple of years ago that, that, uh, did some festival stuff. And, um, it's, it's an, it's a whole other passion and it's, it's hard to decide how deep you want to go into it. And, uh, I think I, I kind of am trying to work on having a few things under my belt before I start start testing out the waters to see what I can do with them. That absolutely makes sense. But one thing that I, I mean, when you said, you know, people and a network can turn a show down and that's, that's it. The hard works, you know, it's done. I think the entertainment industry landscape is changing. I mean, web series, self-produced web series, even 
have become something really prominent. And then that has, in some cases, where the shows have been successful, led to Netflix or, you know, Amazon Prime or Hulu or, or some streaming platform picking those up officially. I mean, that's just one change that the entertainment industry has seen in the past few years. How have you seen the space evolve in the last 10 years or so? Well, like I said at the beginning, I mean, there's just so, I think there was something like 400 productions in Los Angeles last year. I mean, I, I might be wrong on that number, but there's just so, so many shows. I mean, as you know, like, I think I've watched like five series in their entirety in the past, like two months, you know, on, on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, like you can just blow through them. So there is, there's so much content out there. Um, what has really, really drastically changed is the world of television since when I first started. I mean, it was really only network TV and some HBO shows and, you know, Cinemax wasn't producing much stuff, much good product. And like Showtime was just a little bit around and, uh, there were no celebrities doing television and now that's trickled down and, and, and celebrities want to do, um, or names are, are attached to TV shows and film has become way more divided. Like there's a, there's independent films that are low budget and then there's these huge blockbusters. And I don't, I haven't seen too much in between. I know there is, but it's, it's, it's much more, um, isolated insofar as those budgets go. And there's just, there's a lot of television work and it's really exciting because, I mean, I watch more television now than I, than I ever have, and I probably watch more television. I definitely watch more television than I do film. You know, whereas mm. when I was growing up, I didn't watch TV. I, I barely watched television. I watched only film. So that, that's, that's changed within a great, great, great deal in the last 10 years. 100%. And I think it comes down to beyond you know, actor names, also directors. I mean, David Lynch did, what, 18 hours of TV for, for Twin Peaks over on Showtime? And even some of the directors working on you know, Game of Thrones, Handma Handmaiden's Tellies are directors who have been nominated for Oscars. It's, it's, you're right, the, the TV landscape has changed and it's really making film, well, blockbusters anyway, less enticing, I think. Yeah, and and like David Fincher, you know, for for Netflix, mm. and they've they've been able to make they've been able to make um, television look like a beautiful film and make you want to watch ten of them in a row. <laughs> you know, it's, it's and it's and the storylines are are just beautiful, and the the writing is really really good. I mean, Handmaid's Tale was, was fantastic. I mean, I like I couldn't have watched that faster, and I. I'm, I get angry at myself because I finish things too quickly. <laughs> and I'm like, what do I have now? What's next? What's next? You know. So what are you watching now? Uh, well, I just, I watched Hand Until I watched Ozark, Ozark, which was really good. Um, what did I just watch? Uh, what did I just watch on Netflix? Um, uh, the One Mississippi is very good. Um, Transparent is very good. I, I watched all of American Vandal the other day, which is, which is pretty interesting on, on Netflix. Um, I, I'm honestly just trying to, to, you know, absorb everything because I think that it's important. I mean, that's another thing is that you, you ask what, what you do when it's a little quieter and, and when you're not with the family is I think you kind of go into dreamland and try to start absorbing uh, other worlds and other shows so that you're ready um, to play in those worlds if you get a call to do it. Because um, I think a big mistake is when people audition for things and, and have no idea what the show's about, or they don't know what the, the world is, 
within that show. So I think ha- having all that in your back pocket um, is very important. Narcos, Narcos is another one that I've, I just blew through Narcos in, in seconds. So, and as a and as a chef, Chef's Table is, is a gorgeous. Show. Have you seen that before? I have. Uh, yeah, I, I love food and and eating and cooking. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that was a great show. Yeah. Yeah, chef's table is just gorgeous. I can't, I can't get enough of that. So, yeah. Do you think you learn from those shows, and especially the diversity in in the shows you've just listed? Absolutely, and that's funny. Uh, my friend Tej, I've I've had moments where I've been like, oh, I feel guilty watching all those shows. And he's like, no, you you watch these actors and you um, you learn from them, and it's it's true. You you really do. I mean. I will always learn and always steal or, or, you know, or get ideas from other people. And and for my entire life, I'm sure, I'm sure I will. And I think that all actors do. You get inspired by someone else's performance and that whether that just simply inspires you to want to do good work or whether it um, gives you a specific idea uh, for how to play a character, for how to do a movement or how to be a lead or how to be a character actor. I mean, it's, 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 I think all those things are infinite learning. And maybe comedies, like comedic timing on things. Absolutely. You're 100% right. And and watching, you know, the the greats now on television is the best way to learn, I think, other than obviously doing it yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Now, um, obviously, the, The Archer is coming out soon. Where will people be able to watch that or buy that? Well, I don't know yet, but I know that there is, it's with Mar Vista, which is a production company. Um, and they, I, I believe there's good news on that front. Um, oh, I don't know it yet, but we were, we premiered at South by Southwest, um, and had some good attention there. And that's, uh, it's a really good film. It's a film about, um, a young girl who is, uh, convicted, uh, a juvenile. She's convicted of a crime and sent to a private prison. And, uh, basically, uh, you know, for, for a very, very small crime for punching a guy in the face, um, and sent to a private prison and, and, and escapes. And the warden and his son, who I'm on the son, basically it turns into this thriller chasing them through the woods. Uh, and it's, it's just, it's a, it was a fantastic film to shoot. And it was a, basically the four of us, four actors in the woods. And, uh, it was a role that I haven't gotten to play. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun and it's exciting and very well shot and very well acted. And, and, and I'm, I'm excited. I, I will keep you posted on where, when it's going to be on and where it will be. Fantastic. And for listeners who want to be kept posted, I'm assuming you're on social media. So where can our listeners uh, connect with you online? Yeah, Twitter Twitter is LLMGT, L-L-M-G-T and then uh, Instagram is uh, the MGT, Michael Grant Terry. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm on Twitter most mostly, um, and then I'm trying to do more Instagram <laughs> as well. And uh, are there any other projects that uh, our listeners can look forward to uh, seeing you in? Well, I am also doing a virtual reality project actually next week, which um, should be interesting. It's it's a virtual reality horror, which will be released on, uh, I believe, Google's platform at some point in the future. Um, and it's going to be kind of a choose-your-own-adventure um virtual reality thing. I'm excited to shoot it because I've never shot anything like this. It's, uh, 
from what their directors told me, will be it, it will actually be shot similarly to a play because it'll be uh, a camera that's 360 degrees, and you don't there's no coverage, so there's no not multiple takes, so it's all going to be mainly one take, and the viewer is able to choose kind of which direction they go within the landscape, um, and then they can kind of intersect it back with my story uh, throughout their journey. So it sounds really exciting. It's a completely different medium. Um, and I'm not sure when it's going to be released, but we shoot it, we shoot it next week actually. So, um, I'm kind of excited for that because it seems like it's a new, a new world of, of interactive viewing. Um, and I watched the, uh, something that they had done before and it was, it was quite interesting. Yeah, it certainly sounds fascinating. I mean, is that something you're looking for as an actor, new challenges? Uh, yeah, that is always, I think new challenges and new mediums and new forms is always fun. I think the second you become like used to something, uh, that's kind of dangerous for an actor. I think, you know, like, I think you always want to find a challenge and always try to try to do something new and, and, and interesting to challenge yourself as an artist. Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you today, Michael. And I'll put the links to your Twitter and Instagram in the show notes of the podcast so our listeners will be able to uh, stay in touch with you and see when uh, both the, uh, the Archer and the Virtual Reality Project are coming out. And I, uh, I wish you all the best of the future. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Great to talk to you too. Thank you so much.